Hi everyone, I'm Danielle, and this is the Classical Liberal Project. I'm here with Jonathan Casey and uh, Joshua Eagle, and uh, we're excited to kind of get to know you guys a little bit more today. I guess you guys, yeah, for those... you guys get to know us, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I uh, we had a great episode last week, but we didn't uh, we didn't really get into talking about you know kind of who we are and what we are and all that fun stuff. So I figured we'd spend a little bit of time on that and then uh, kind of open it up to to uh, anybody who wanted to ask questions about either us or the CLC and get into kind of the news of the day. There's it's been an interesting week, uh, to say you the know, least. So that's a that's well said. You know, I think a, a great way to kick us off um, would be I, I think we talked about this a little bit bef uh, earlier before the show, but the origin story, Jonathan. Uh, I don't know how many people are aware of that, but I think that, uh, you know, for our listeners, as everyone's trickling in, maybe giving us a little context on kind of what made you decide to start the caucus and that background would be an interesting place to start. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I think every libertarian does have an origin story or a conversion story almost. It's very evangelical, I think, in, in some respects. So I'll just kind of start from the beginning and run through. Um I, you know, growing up, I watched the towers fall on 9-11 and I, I was a neocon right then and there. I knew we needed to take out whoever, whoever, whoever did that. Uh, and my parents, we grew up, I grew up going to Republican conventions. Um, so I, I was, you know, deeply conservative household. Um, and then I had, uh, and then once, once I think it was late in the Bush second term, I realized, wait a second. What I've been fed this whole time is complete crap. There's just too much going on. Where are the weapons of mass destruction? Are we actually freeing the people in Iraq? What's what's going on? So that whole narrative really shifted my perspective and my thinking, and I just became apolitical at that point. I was done. Uh, politicians, I'm out on you guys. You guys have no real answers. You're all a bunch of pros, which I still believe today. But that, but I at least have re-entered the political arena really with. Um, Discovering Ron Paul and Milton Friedman. Those two, those two guys watching their YouTube videos, watching Ron Paul's debate in 2008, that really helped shift my perspective. And just, I became a libertarian uh, about 17, 18, I think. And I've really never looked, looked back since. Um, so that's kind of how I became a libertarian. I never really knew about the Libertarian Party until uh, Trump and uh, Trump and Hillary Clinton get up there, and I'm like, well, I'm supposed to choose between these two, because only four years, or four, was it four years before then? Yeah, it was. Four years before then, it was Mitt Romney versus Obama, and I went in, and I voted for Mitt Romney, because that was the lesser of two evils. I walked out of the polling place. I walked out of the polling place. I kid you not. And I said, I will never, I will never vote for somebody I don't believe in. Again, never. That's not going to happen. I was so sick to my stomach because I cast that ballot that I just was like, I'm never doing that again. Um, and so when, when it was Hillary and Trump, I was like, what am I supposed to do now? Uh, and I didn't, I had kind of, an, I knew who Gary Johnson kind of was, uh, but his run, um, I went and saw him speak when he was in, in uh, um, I, I went and saw him speak in uh, Wisconsin. I was living up there at the time. Um, yeah. And just really bought into his message and his persona and his just his presentation of libertarian and the practical application of libertarianism. Uh, so I really appreciated that. I voted for him that election. Then when Joe Jorgensen came along, I again voted for her. 
Um, and then uh, after that, it really inspired me. It actually inspired me to get involved with the Libertarian Party of Texas, where I ran their Twitter uh, account for about a year and a half um, without any controversies, without any issues whatsoever. Yeah, sure, uh, of course. <laughs> and, and, and then, uh, and then after that, I just I realized that a lot of people, a lot of people like me, a lot of the classically liberal-minded people, I felt like were being pushed away, were not being represented well enough, and I felt like there needed to be a voice that kind of spoke up for the people that thought like me, that that kind of believed the same things that I did, um, and so that's where I kind of I think Josh, I think you were either the first or second person I reached out to, when <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I actually want to get this thing get this thing started. I forget who the order exactly was, but I know you were like day one. I was like, all right, I'm going to actually do this. Cause I, I tweeted out September of what, 21, I guess. Yeah. To September of 21, no, it was August or September of 21. Just said, who wants to start a classical liberal caucus with me? And then I just, I got a dozen people in my inbox saying, are you doing this? I was like, okay, maybe I should actually take this seriously. Maybe I should look into this. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And it, it's been, I don't know. It's been, it's been really humbling to see, um, just kind of the life of its own that it's brought on. Um, that it, it's been really fun to see the energy that it's that it's brought and it's building. Um, because I don't, you know, it, it's classical liberalism. It's, you know, it's supposed to be the boring philosophy, right? It's it's just the it's the boring, you know, kind of real world application. It's not very exciting to a lot of people, but it's still it's still a message that's gonna it has resonated for 250 years, and I think it'll resonate for another. Um, along that, so I'm I'm excited. It's it's been it's it's been yeah, it's I, been a ride. So I'm sorry if you hear my kids screaming in the background. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I was gonna say I'd rather take boring, rational, truthful, uh, you know, ideology, the, you know, theory than the crazy, radical, absolute insanity that is politics today. So I'm sure it goes without saying. Definitely, a huge thanks for you stepping up. I remember the day you tweeted. You tweeted that because I've been I've been thinking about this for for years. I remember there was a somebody who started a classical liberal caucus back I believe it was like 2017 and 2018, and it never really got off the ground. There was a group that was kind of sitting there uh, dormant for years, and uh, no one really kind of took the mantle. And yeah, it takes a lot of work, man. You've put in a lot of work in the last year. <laughs> yeah, it, it has been, but it's been rewarding. I I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. So, um, so, so Daniel, I don't know. I guess. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I was going to ask Josh. I was going to ask how you kind of got started because I don't even really know your story because we met. Oh gosh, it would have been. Oh, I'm trying to remember exactly how we met, but I, I do know that you. Um, I don't really know your story. I think I rem the way that we connected was back when I used to work with the Prague Caucus because uh, there was a, st a stint for several months where I was helping them with some field operations and like doing calls for them back in 2020 during COVID. And I, I remember you popped up on our list somehow, and I, I just called you, and I think you were driving from, like, somewhere to somewhere like you usually are, and we just kind of, you know, kicked it off that way. But that's not the origin story for, for me and the LP, and I'm curious to hear Danielle's next after this. And then I, I think our hope was that we would open this up to the rest of the chat, right, and, like, listen to their origin stories a little bit and talk to them. But um, what, where I started was about 10 years ago um, when I turned 18, the same story as many, many people. Um, in 2012, I, I was I was also raised in a Republican household, kind of a very conservative household. I turned 18, and as many people when they're 18 do, they go, "What what do I believe?" You know, I'm going to go figure this out. So I remember uh, in 2012 watching the GOP primaries, and I, this is funny. We're talking about the Libertarian Party, but it was the GOP primaries in 2012 where I heard Ron Paul and talk about his values, his ideas, um, and he really 
open like basically light bulb moment it's the same thing you hear all the time in the movement it was a huge light bulb moment for me where i realized hey this is something that i can get behind this aligns with really what i believe deep down and then seeing how the gop treated him and how he was very unfairly treated um and basically got burnied in 2012 um and his campaign was uh you know didn't make the nomination and kind of seeing where the party went from there really um made me very disenfranchised by partisan politics in 2012, but it really wasn't enough for me to jump straight into the party. Uh, in 2012, I actually did the first election I could ever vote in. I voted for Gary Johnson as a libertarian, and I've never voted top a ticket for any other candidate other than the libertarian sense. Um, but it wasn't really, a, similar to you, uh, Jonathan, it wasn't really until 2016 that I said, hey, it's really important that, that I have to do more. Um, it was watching the uh, Trumpism take over the Republican Party and really watching the Republican Party throw away a lot of the things that I actually respected or I thought I respected about them, like their commitment to, you know, free trade and their commitment to, um, oh my God, I can think about so many things that they threw away. That, I mean, there was literally, they were, it's arguable that before 2016, the Republican Party had a much better immigration stance and much better trade stance. I mean, there's a lot more moderate uh, behaviors in the, the GOP. And then watching a lot of that go out the window in 2016 made me realize that the, there just wasn't a path and uh, we had to find an alternative so i went in i think i remember going into a i saw a little uh, a facebook event for a, a libertarian party meetup in knox county and i showed up in knoxville east tennessee showed up and there were like five guys around their the, on the, around the table on their phones and i was like what's going on and they're they're like oh this is the meeting and i was like who's who's running it and they're like oh do you want to run it <laughs> so I said, okay, uh, long story short, I connected with the state chair, embedded myself as a county chair, and uh, grew the county party in East Tennessee and Knox County to be the largest in the country from like 2017, 2018, 2019. And then I ran for state chair and uh, did that first couple of years. And long, there's been a million different things that have happened since then, but it was definitely Gary Johnson and his like the other option that he provided voters on the ballot in 2016 contrasted to the old party options that made me realize that this was the party for me and I had to jump straight into it. But it was Ron Paul that worked me up to the ideas. So that's I, the original version. Nice. I hold you personally responsible for all of the accusations of us being the frags because you are the only frag that is on our board. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you were there funny, for a couple you know months really and you're scarred for life. Do you know what's really funny is that I was only uh, working with the Prags for like four months during COVID, uh, and I helped them with some outreach, again, like uh, field work, and that was it. Like it was four months, <laughs> and I had to leave because of other obligations, and so yeah. Uh, you'll, yeah, you're welcome for that, Jonathan, for sure. <laughs> There's some Danielle, good people I, in the Pratt Caucus, but... Oh, the worst no doubt, things to no be doubt. Bald. I supported Jorgensen being it's, pragmatic. Thank you very much. Yeah, pragma pragmatism is, is what we need more of. I think that's absolutely the case. We need we need more pragmatism. Uh, our our board member, Sam Robb, I need to get him to turn this into an article, but he did a rant on why pragmatism is not a bad thing. And I'm like, you've got to turn this into an article for us because <laughs> it's so true. He nails it. But Danielle, I don't, I don't know your story. I know we met, yeah. we met in Reno, right? We did, um, yeah. I was at, at Spike Cohen's. <laughs> yes, at Spike Cohen's event, and then, but yeah, I don't know your story. How did you, how did you come to the Liberty Movement? Um, I read the three, I several blurbs for all the different political parties on my driver's registration form because in California you can register to a party. Mm. And I didn't like the first two, and the third option was Libertarian, and it made sense, so I checked the box. And then I joined the military and probably didn't vote after that because I was getting like mail-in votes and didn't know who anybody was. And it didn't really feel ethical voting in a state that 
I wasn't in, but I probably voted for Schwarzenegger because, duh. <laughs> I don't remember, sure. though. Because um, my governor can beat up your governor. Thank you very much. Uh, that was literally the reasoning behind it, though. My my family's pretty conservative. I learned when my grandma died last year that she was actually the chaplain for her Republican Party uh, locally. So that's cute and fun. Um, but I didn't really get active in politics until I moved to Washington because um, I got out of the military um, in Nebraska and I spent some time there getting my degree in social work and um, I, I didn't really connect with the libertarians there. I, I met a like a refrigeration specialist at one meetup once and everyone else wasn't as friendly as I had hoped. So I'd never went back and um, Washington seemed pretty great. Um, seems pretty great. I, uh, I, uh, have been on my county board for a couple years. I've been on the state executive committee. Um, and I am unfortunately one of the few people that, uh, is not as active at state. Cause I just, I can't handle the tension of the, um, caucus stuff. Uh, all the drama yeah no one no one has good faith in anyone and so we all just assume we're all attacking each other and uh, it was so i'm well that's why we're that's why we're here yeah Yeah, it's really funny that (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah great organization i was gonna gonna say it's funny you can actually thank the government in a way for making you a libertarian because they listed it on the (laughs) the voter registration yeah the the irs is our best the the dmv is our best recruiter that's what they say right (laughs) so so being danielle being in the military what did that change about you how did that influence your libertarianism how did that how did that all play out is that that got that's got to be a story It was, so I joined at 21, which meant I had a little bit of college and other work experience and experienced life. Um, I could also legally drink, which was not something most of my peers could do. Uh, And they mostly just partied and were frat boys for a very long time. The whole time I was in the military, well into getting married and having children. And I was just like, why are all these people doing so much better than me? They're they don't even get to work on time. And so like, I, I worked my ass off to like be in the comsec office and like actually like contribute and it didn't matter. And once I saw that, I was like, this is supposed to be the most like, like your work speaks for itself part of the government. I thought, right? Like you, you do what you're supposed to do. You take your test, you rank up, like it made sense, but that didn't really happen. Uh, unless you knew the right people. Like one time my supervisor didn't even file my promotion paperwork. And when I went to the training room to go take my test for that paperwork or that the paperwork was supposed to allow me to take, uh, I couldn't take the test because my paperwork wasn't there. And one of the people that outranked me heavily in the office that just didn't like me for some reason started telling everyone that I didn't even go to the classroom and that's why I didn't test. So everyone oh. thought it was my fault. Oh my god! My supervisor. Yeah, what am I going to do? Like, I'm just a lowly airman, and my supervisor screwed up. So just a oh. bunch of little things like that just really made me hate the the military. And then just seeing just the waste of money. I was on the Nayok airplane, uh, the the E4B. I guess the Nayok mission on the E4B aircraft. 
anyways. Uh, and it's, it's a cold war holdover. We literally did nothing. Our job was supposed to be an airborne command station. Uh, and on nine 11, our planes were up and firing and Bush was in a basement and our platform didn't get used for its one purpose. Uh-huh. And that's literally the only opportunity we've had to use it in decades. Wow. Uh, so just the, just all that waste of money and energy. And it seemed like for nothing. Uh, and then the more I learned, the more I hated everything. So here I am. <laughs> I, I think that we, I think that the military is a really good recruitment area for libertarianism. Cause I think people see firsthand what bureaucracy and, and just that kind of that culture, you know, we, we do, like you said, we expect it to be a meritocracy. We expect that if you put in the hard work, you're going to make the, you know, and there's, there's politics up and down inside military. My dad was in the, in the Marines. Um, my, I, I know a lot of, a lot of <laughs> veterans and it's, it's, it's very different from what, from what people expect. So, um, yeah, I guess, uh, did you guys have any other questions for each other? I was thinking we'd open it up. I know Chase has a, a really good, Chase is in the, uh, in the group. He's got a great, uh, story about how he came to, uh, the Liberty movement with John Mons. I'll let him tell that if he wants to, if anybody else wants to speak up other, um, yeah, I think just that's, raise the, your hand. That's, that's the theme of tonight, right? Is like, what kind of brought you to the movement and do you have any questions about CLC? So that sounds good to me. <clears throat> yeah, just raise your hands. The other thing I was I was also going to bring up, um, oh, Chase, here we go. Let's bring Chase up. If I can remember how to do this. There it is. Hey, Chase, welcome back. I can, I can. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, you are correct that John Mons brought me into the liberty movement. So what kind of primed me to become a libertarian, though, was because uh, I was anti-war. So I was in high school when 9-11 happened and the war on terror got started. And I had a lot of friends from high school that, frankly, got sent to go fight in the wars in Afghanistan and later in the war in Iraq, which was a war totally based on lies. So... I became an anti-war protester, and with that, you know, I thought at the time, there's only two parties. If Bush is putting the wars together, then I must be a Democrat. So I got involved with them, became an anti-war protester, marched in Washington, got tear gassed, the whole nine yards. And then uh, this guy, Obama, got elected, and I was like, great, Obama's going to end all the wars, and the drones will stop, and we'll close down Gitmo like he promised, and we're going to do great. And none of that happened, and they still gave him the Nobel Peace Prize. So I got pissed, and I started trying to organize my friends who were marching against Bush with me. And they weren't so keen to start marching against Barack Obama. And uh, because of that, you know, I realized that the anti-war movement and most – and a lot of it was just really an anti-Bush movement, anti-Republican movement. And it was kind of like a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of a deal. It wasn't really what it claimed to be. And so I got – apolitical. I was not going to vote anymore. I was going to be done with politics. And I just happened to be wandering around the Atlanta Gay Pride Festival. And now in 2010, you would not ever see the Republican Party there. And you wouldn't even see the Democratic Party there because they were really scared of, um, you know, alienating the, the suburban woman vote at the time. Gays were a little too scary for the Democrats in Georgia. But the Libertarian Party of Georgia was there. And they had a tent. And, you know, I'm kind of in a field and I'm kind of looking around and I see this tent that says Libertarian Party of Georgia. And I see this guy and he's like waving me over. I'm like, who is this guy waving me over? 
And it turns out it was John Mons. He was the candidate for governor in Georgia in 2010. If you don't know who John Mons is, he is truly a badass libertarian. I love him to death. Uh, he is somebody who is a Morehouse educated. Uh, he is the head of his local NAACP, but he's also a hardcore principled libertarian to the point of uh, he built his own ghost gun. And that's what he walks around with at night in rural Georgia because uh, of the armored arbor really? shooting. Yeah, he made his own ghost gun. And uh, you know, that's, that's I, I love that about him. He's just awesome. He also is just, he's a homeschool parent. Uh, two of his kids, uh, or three of his kids, I believe, have already either gone to college or graduated, and the fourth one's about to go to college. And so he, he walks the liberty path. So he was there at that tent, and he started talking to me, and he's like, hey, man, take this world's smallest political quiz. And we, we've all heard that before. And I said, you know, I don't got time for that. He said, well, tell me your one biggest political issue. And I said, I'm anti-war. And he said, well, the Libertarian Party is the, the party of, of peace and prosperity and trade, not, not war. And that's why you need to join us. And that's why I, he was my first vote uh, for a Libertarian was in 2010. I still nominally, I guess, identified as a Democrat somewhat. But he was my first vote for, uh, for a Libertarian. And with that... I got involved uh, and and really started supporting libertarians. And Gary Johnson in 2012 was my first libertarian vote for president. Though I did respect Ron Paul in 2012, I saw what the GOP for did. Sure. I saw what the GOP did to his supporters by unseating those delegates, and I think that's a that's a shame. Any political organization that would unseat duly elected delegates because they're scared of who they're going to support for their presidential nominee, that's a cowardly move. And that's a party that is full of cowardice. And so even though Ron Paul was a pretty principled messenger, you know, he, he was stuck in a party that was just cowardly. And Gary Johnson was a great messenger, and I was happy to vote for him. I voted for him in 2016. Um, I supported John Mons for president in 2020, but uh, Joe ended up getting the nomination, and she was a great messenger as well. And now I have this exploratory committee myself, so I'm trying to, you know, pass on that mantle of, a liberty message that's going to grow the party. I think we can do better than Joe's vote totals. I think we can get better than Johnson's vote totals if we try hard enough. And uh, and so that's where I'm at. And, you know, I'm traveling a little bit. Right now I'm actually packing up so I can uh, fly out to Phoenix in the morning. But I look forward to hearing everybody else's story about how they became a libertarian because uh, for me it was just because they were they were smart enough and brave enough to actually be at the Pride Festival in 2010 and they were doing outreach, which is something we need to – focus on as a party is making sure we are meeting the voters where they're at, not just speaking within our echo chambers. And uh, I'm glad they were at the Pride Festival. So thanks. I know we're going to see you in Tennessee soon. So awesome. Yeah, you have give your uh, your entire agenda on the website, Chase, just for anyone's curious of where you're going to uh, be. The, the full website is going to be up in about a week or two, but um, okay. I'm, uh, there's still a splash page at votechaseoliver.com. You can sign up for the email updates, and we will let you know where I'm going to be. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be in Phoenix for their convention and also in Irving, Texas on Sunday at 2 p.m. at a local pizza spot. So uh, – um, I'll, I'll put those nice. Eventbrite links up tomorrow on my Twitter if anybody wants to uh, check it out. Nice. Um, awesome. Jonathan, do we still have you here? I, I just got back. My, uh, my my children are causing a disturbance. Um, right before we stop, <laughs> go to the one person in the audience requested to speak. I was going to tell one quick story because uh, Obama yeah. uh, was brought up. I Right before the right before the election of, of, of uh, uh, between um, um, Oh my goodness, McCain and uh, McCain and Obama were running against each other. So this was before, this was before my epiphany that I would never vote for somebody I didn't believe in. 
uh, in the in the uh, Obama. Uh, oh my goodness, Obama Romney campaign. So I uh, I drive out. I'm going to go vote. I'm trying to think. Who am I going to vote for? Uh, who am I going to vote for? I'm going to vote for either uh, McCain or am I going to vote for Obama? And I get to I get to stop sign. And I'm looking at the polling booth, which is a church right across the street from my parents. And I'm like, you know, I don't see any difference between the two. So I just made a right turn and kept driving on down the road. <laughs> and I kind of like, you know, I'm glad I did that because at least I didn't just waste my vote on somebody who didn't uh, didn't earn it. But uh, uh, yeah, let's bring up. Uh, let's see here. Let me, sorry, my phone is having issues here. Uh, let's bring in uh, Sandman. Let's bring you right back up here. And you have a question for us? Any any comments for us? I think I added you. Yep, you should be able to unmute yourself. And if you've got any questions, hello, hello. Can you hear me? Hi. Yeah, I'm probably the youngest yeah. one here, but uh, yeah. So we're talking about origin stories, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so just cut me off if I'm uh, not supposed to. Uh, but I'm Canadian. Uh, kind of hard for me to be a libertarian since everyone here's not. Um, but yeah, I kind of got into the whole thing with social media, really. Um, it's really taught me how well social media works with like getting people into the movement because without me like I'm kind of like the case study here I joined because I'm looking at conservative posts and I'm like hey who's this guy um Spike Cohen and I looked through his stuff and I'm like wow I like this and I kind of just went on to YouTube looked him up found a bunch of things and yeah uh, that's kind of how I joined the whole thing I'm like huh and now I just kind of do uh, social media stuff trying to get people into libertarianism so yeah do they they have a so they do have a little i know they have a libertarian party of canada do they have do they have a candidate at the top level that runs do you know they, uh, how that's working over there they exist um if you go onto their that's YouTube, about it <laughs> yeah if you go into their youtube it's like eight years ago was the last post their stuff on instagram is like dead in the water it doesn't really gotcha. yeah it officially exists but doesn't really do anything so yeah right gotcha. you're the, the second canadian that i've met that's interested in libertarianism yeah cool. it's, a, it's a rare breed up here we don't really exist other than like in some places yeah you know what's interesting is i do a lot of work internationally for the liberty movement outside of the u.s and one of the things that i've figured out over the last couple of years doing more and more of that is just how much we take for granted in the movement, the American, rich American history of libertarianism and how kind of deeply ingrained the values of libertarianism are in our culture. Yeah. Um, when you kind of, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I realized that until I started really talking to people that come from other cultures, backgrounds, and even in Canada. I mean, I talked to Canadian. I was talking to a Canadian the other day, and they they mentioned the exact same thing you did. They said, you know, it's it's like we have status and status light in Canada, you know, yeah, which we have here too. But yeah. there's still that libertarian tradition. Yeah, we kind of don't really have a libertarian thing going on up north. So we like ninety percent of libertarians kind of just take American history and use that as our basis for a lot of things. Many of us just pretend to be libertarian, I mean, American libertarians online because it's easier that way. Huh. Well, yeah. we got to change that. That's up to the next generation yeah. <laughs> to fix that. Uh, I love it. Out of curiosity, how did you how did you find this DLC? What brought you what brought you to us? Um, so it really started when uh, 
the Mises caucus really took over and I'm like, okay, there's different types of libertarians in the American Libertarian Party. And I kind of started looking into it and I kind of just resonated with your guys' stuff a little bit more than the Mises caucus's guys'. Um, It's not that like, I'm more of like, hey, let's only do this or only do that. But I kind of agree with you guys a little bit more than the Mises caucus guys, especially with their edgy, um, what do you say, internet posting style. But yeah, I, yeah. I only got mm-hmm. towards you because of the internet again. Nice. Well, I, listen, I think that I think for the liberty movement to be successful, we do need to be drawing from the, the whole spectrum of, of libertarianism. And it, it is a spectrum. There, we're not... We're not, you know, we're united by this idea of freedom, but there's a lot of variations within it that that um, that people come to it from. So I think appealing to as broad an audience as you can uh, is is a good thing. Okay, yeah, you're let's... not gonna be able to unite the country if you can't even unite your own party. So uh, yeah. that's that's my perspective on the whole. Exactly, exactly. All right, we've got somebody else here. Let me um, let me bring you up real quick here. And Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Why don't yeah from here on out? Why don't you uh, when you oh I just got you up here. Why don't you introduce yourself and give us your first name and where you're from and uh, then ask us or tell us what you want to tell us. Hey. Hello. I can. Well, um, my name is Bungi, and um, full disclosure, I'm not an American either. I'm actually living in Australia. Oh. Yeah. You gonna throw some shrimp on the Barbie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might sound a bit American, but that's just the way I got brought up. Um, but um uh so yeah, I've I actually um haven't been like libertarian for a very long time, maybe like twelve months or so. Um and um like <clears throat> I used to be a like I, I entered like politics, like I became politically interested um, uh, around 2016, like when Donald Trump like ran and stuff. Um, and I've like been a MAGA Trumper ever since then until about 2020, until the COVID started. And um, <laughs> like the, the reason I became a libertarian is because of all the uh, different mandates and stuff in Australia, it's really like authoritarian down here. And um, so then I evaluated my positions on different political issues. And I figured out that um, the logic that uh, um, that justified my uh, MAGA statism um, was the same logic that the Australian government was using to like mandate businesses shut down mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so like, and another thing that um, uh, sort of drew me to libertarianism is like the epiphany when I uh, I had when I um, first learned about the non-aggression principle um, because like I became sort of obsessed with it because like um, I could just derive so many things from it like axiomatically and every everything in the world just made sense to me. Yeah. Nice. That's perfect. Right, that's, that's yeah. That's great to hear. Do you in in Australia? What's the balance like? I'm not too familiar. I'm a little bit more familiar with Canadian because they're right across, right north of us. But in Australia, what's kind of the balance of of the political parties? Are, are, are there a handful of political parties that are all just kind of pretty author, you know, on the same level as far as statism, or 
Are there some that are better than others? What's kind of, what, what's the scene down there? Okay, so basically we have two very authoritarian parties pretty much ruling the country at the moment. You got the liberals, which is the sort of center-right sort of party. And then we have the labor, which is sort of a center-left party. And uh, the labor, labor's in power at the moment, and they usually like swap over every election cycle or so. It's a, a ranked choice kind of voting system, but most people just vote for like labor and liberals. But the thing is, they they are only really divided on like very uh, superficial issues. Um, like some of the like liberals are a bit more friendly to businesses and stuff, but they all like vote unanimously when it comes to different like uh, stuff like um, dif- disinformation bills and uh, like federal police uh, warrantless search bills and stuff. They always like vote vote like unanimously for that sort of stuff so <clears throat> i would say they're um center authoritarian um like it's not really left or right in terms of the cultural sense but they just like nanny state it's sort of like a nanny state yeah now those are the two main ones do you see third parties out there or other like minor parties yeah um, i'm actually a member of the a liberal Democrats, which is um, like sort of a very small party at the moment, but it's the only party in Australia that is like, I don't know, uh, a classical liberal, if you put it. Um, and we do have other smaller parties too, but they're really not, not getting as many votes. So we've got a, a pretty um, right-wing party called um, uh, One Nation, and then a center-right sort of party called uh, United Australia Party, but like none of these smaller parties are getting many votes or like moving politics very much, to be honest. Hmm. Understood. I, I love that we're having- with yeah. voting. Yeah, I, that, because a, a, lot of, a lot of Americans, we kind of look at ranked choice voting as, as kind of a gold standard of what we want to get to. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, it's interesting. I, I wonder how much of that has to do with the, you know, again, Australia, Australia's got a pretty independent history. Um, I mean, they were, you know, they had, they have a pretty independent history, but I, I know that, I know that the American history, I wonder if we could, I wonder if we, if us tapping into that makes it, makes it uh, so that ranked choice voting is a little bit better option for us. We have that kind of that energy we can tap into. So, I don't know. I've, I've said it for a while, if the American Libertarian Party can't compete with ranked choice voting, then that's also a problem. They need to take a look at them. If they can, if they can't, um, you know, if we have a system like that that's even, that's a lot different. But it's very interesting. Again, Americans got that rich, that rich libertarian tradition. Right. I'm sure Australia yeah, would be the other country, I think, with a similar history, though. It's very, very, very Yeah, I love that we're getting some international uh... – uh, people in here because we've one of the things we've kind of talked about kind of you know but what guests we want to have on the show is we want to try to focus on some uh, international guests and try to show the liberty movement around the world and what what is working for them what isn't working for them so I think that's I think that's great that we've got some in here in here tonight yeah so yeah all right yeah, thank thanks for sharing man um, yeah. does anybody else have any any story they want to share or any questions about CLC I think we're what Jonathan we're trying to keep this around 45 minutes something like that yeah we yeah. keep it right around there we're so the plan for just so everybody knows we're going to be doing the making making this uh, every other week uh, we'll be on Twitter spaces the in between weeks on Thursday nights we'll do a recording 
with a guest, and we'll put that out. You can go to uh, lpclc.org slash podcast, and that'll have, you can go on there and subscribe to, uh, subscribe to us that way. Uh, and then you can also go to our YouTube channel as well. Um, so I figured this is a good way to kind of connect and kind of talk with people about what's going on. I, I, I don't know. We'll try this format out. I think, I think it's been good so far. We, uh, you know, this is only our second one, so we'll see how it goes, but it's, it's exciting. It's fun. We had uh, our shorts from the last uh, last episode with Chase uh, got over about 4,500 views from those shorts. And considering we started with one subscriber because we literally, literally just started, uh, I think that's pretty pretty exciting. So my favorite part about stuff. starting with one subscriber is that two people claimed to be that one subscriber. <laughs> All right, there we go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, uh, so I see Sheldog in here too. The Sheldog is actually one of the uh, one of our uh, he's a member of the Libertarian Party of Tennessee as well. I've known him for a while. Not to put you on the spot or anything, Sheldog. But uh, does anyone else have any other stories they want to share? Any questions about CLC before we get it time? I think we're all set. I think thank you guys for for jumping in. I appreciate everyone joining us. And yeah, like I said, we'll be doing this in, in again in two weeks. But make sure uh, next week we'll have a guest on. We'll Talk to them again. Thanks for joining. We'll we'll see you guys uh, in another two weeks.